Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is time for another episode of The Blackout as we head on to week two of the college football season and as we put a wrap on a wild and wacky week one of the college football season. Saturday was just nuts. It includes Florida State blowing a 31-13 lead to Boise State in a 36-31 loss. Tennessee losing to Georgia State 38-30 in a game in which Georgia State seemed to do anything they wanted to offensively, especially in that second half. A loss from Missouri to Wyoming, 37-31. North Carolina pulling off a 24-20 upset win over South Carolina despite kneeling the ball on their own 47-yard line on fourth down with 11 seconds remaining in the game to give South Carolina another halfway legitimate shot at winning the game. And last but not least, we witnessed something I never imagined we would ever witness in a college football game before. And that was Hugh Freeze himself coaching from the coach's box in Liberty's loss to Syracuse from a hospital bed, laying down the entire game, turned sideways looking at the field. How in the world do we have these things slide into college football? I do not know, but it made for one entertaining Saturday afternoon and evening. The Blackout, as always, is coming to you from BellyUpSports.com. And on this week's episode, I've got my main takeaways from week one, as well as some information on some more cool things going on at bellyupsports.com, and an interview with Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, in the second segment of the show today. Let's go ahead and get started. I don't know how you can look back on this past weekend of college football and take away anything bigger than what we saw from Jalen Hurts and Oklahoma on Sunday night against Houston. Hurts was near perfect for the Sooners. I never imagined that his first game in an Oklahoma uniform would go anywhere near this smooth. Three touchdown passes, three touchdown runs, and this Oklahoma offense was moving up and down the field like clockwork. For at least one game, it seemed as if nothing had changed from the last couple of years when Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray were wearing the same Oklahoma uniform. And the Sooners offense looked good enough for me to already change my opinion of what we're going to see in the college football playoff. Last week, I told you I thought it was going to be Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Utah out of the Pac-12. Utah's defense was stout against BYU, and its running game was hard to stop. 
but I just don't know that their passing offense is going to offer enough of a threat to make their offense diverse enough. If they face a good defense, their run game might be taken away, and that might be enough to knock off this Utah team. But that dynamic Oklahoma offense seems like it's in line to run again throughout this season. And the defensive side of the ball showed just enough signs of life that I think you can expect this Oklahoma team to come up with just enough stops throughout the year. So now I'm going with Clemson, Georgia, Ohio State, and Oklahoma in the college football playoff. Now let's dive into the play of the week from week one in college football. And where could you go for play of the week other than the play of true freshman quarterback Bo Nix leading Auburn to a 27-21 win over Oregon with the touchdown pass with nine seconds remaining in the game to give Auburn its first lead of the game? Here's Chris Fowler on the call for ESPN on ABC. Now they can play a little safer, but they're not going to. Nix is back. What a gutsy throw by the true freshman quarterback and an even better catch from Seth Williams to win the game for the Auburn Tigers. It certainly wasn't always pretty for the freshman in this one, but trust me when I tell you, you give him a little bit of time, let him calm down, and let him face some easier competition, and this quarterback for the Tigers is going to be really good for years to come. And with that, I'm going to finish up my recap of last week. I know that's brief, but I've got the most exciting news yet to tell you about what has been going on with the blackout and the changes for the show going forward. I've only been doing this podcast for a little over a year now, and trust me, as time goes on with each and every new episode, and during the off-season, as the months went on, I was thinking about the new things that I can incorporate into the show to make sure it is a quality podcast for each and every listener out there. I want to be sure to have your input as a listener to know what kind of form the blackout should take. And I want to involve the listener in the show as much as I possibly can. And that's why I'm implementing this new idea for the podcast. I'm hoping this change will prove very beneficial for this podcast for many episodes to come. I've been thinking for a long time how I can get you, the listener, onto the show. And now it's here. From now on, you can help guide where each episode of The Blackout goes. From now on, you can submit your questions, your own opinions, or your rants about anything and everything in the game of college football. Unless you're driving, I want you to go ahead and do a favor for me. Do this one thing. Pull out your phone, open up your contacts, add a new one, and then type in the number 706-406-3566. Again, that's 706 706- 406-3566. You see, anytime you want now, 24-7, 365, you can call that number and leave a voicemail for the blackout. I want to hear what you have for me on the show. You bring your very best, and this can be an awful lot of fun. Whenever you call, just let me know who you are and what you want to talk about, and the topics will carry from there. You get a chance to have your voice heard on the blackout using blackmail. Again, just use the number 706-406-3566. And I cannot wait to hear what you have to say as we move throughout the college football season. Now, before we go to break, let me remind you, don't forget about the game of the week going on at bellyupsports.com. All you have to do is go to the college football forum and select the topic for this week's game of the week, LSU versus Texas. Once you're there, Select a winner and a final score. 
If you happen to be the one who's exactly right, then you get a selection of a free t-shirt from the 25 different designs out of the Belly Up Sports shop. We gave away one t-shirt during the Florida-Miami game, but we didn't have a winner this past week for the Auburn-Oregon game. I want a bunch of you to get in on this and have your opportunity to get one of those free t-shirts. I just got one of mine in the mail the other day from one of the sales going on on the website, and I must say, I'm going to be happy being able to show the Belly Up Sports brand to everybody around me. Again, just jump on the college football forum on bellyupsports.com, find the game of the week, Texas and LSU, click on it, and submit your winner and your score, and you might come away a winner. The only caveat being, if multiple people select the right winner and the right score, then all the winners will be thrown into a hat and one name will be drawn for the free t-shirt. Now I'm headed off to break, but when I come back, Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, will join the show to help preview number one Clemson hosting number 12 Texas A&M this Saturday. This is The Blackout. Back with the blackout is the voice of the Clemson Tigers, Don Munson. Don, welcome back to the show, and uh, how are you doing today? I'm good, Thomas. Always good to be with you, man. Absolutely. We're glad to have you here on the show. Now, as Clemson rolls into this weekend, we've got a big showdown with Texas A&M, but I want to know what you saw in week one from the Clemson Tigers when they're 52-14 to win over Georgia Tech. What kind of takeaway? Is there one big thing or something that you glean from that win and, and what Clemson has going into this season? Well, I think the biggest thing that I took away from uh, from that opening win was, one, uh, and I think we kind of all knew this, that Travis Etienne is poised to have a really big year. Uh, so, uh, you know, to rush for 205 yards and just 12 carries and score three touchdowns, uh, you know, was was exactly what the doctor ordered, certainly for him. And then two, I thought defensively, uh, particularly at linebacker. Linebacker, uh, a lot of people ask me, okay, what was your area of concern? And I, I pointed out linebacker more so than the defensive front, just because I think people forget that the Clemson lost four or five players at linebacker from last year's squad. So they there were some big holes to, to fill there. So those those would be the two things that, that I kind of came away with, uh, very pleased with. And hopefully that trend will continue here in week two. Now, as we go into this weekend, here in week week number two, you're looking at a showdown with Texas A&M in which uh, it was about this exact same same time last year that we saw this same matchup. Clemson came away with a 28-26 win on the road in College Station, Uh, but things look a little bit different this year. You know, Kelly Bryant is no longer the starter in Clemson. Uh, You move on fully to Trevor Lawrence with a start this year compared to last year. What other kind of differences do you see in this game, and where do you see these two programs and where they sit right now in comparison? into last year and any differences that you may see? Well, I think from, uh, you know, from a quarterback standpoint, I think both quarterbacks are going to be improved going into this game. Both of them have had now, obviously, a year in the system. Uh, just watching a little bit of Kellen Mond from last week, you know, this is the guy that's picked up some strength. He's picked up some speed. Uh, he's throwing the ball better. I think that, uh, you know, you've heard Coach Fisher talk about, about the way that he had improved over the summer months and certainly saw that. But same holes also holds true for uh, Trevor. People may may point and you know maybe he didn't have a quite the numbers that you expect Trevor Lawrence maybe to have in Week One. But believe me, Trevor is a guy that's also bigger, stronger, faster. We saw him do some things with his feet. 
that uh, they probably caught a, a few people by surprise from uh, that standpoint. So I think you really do point to the to the two quarterbacks going into this thing, and, and obviously they they have to come and and play big. They you know if your quarterbacks don't play well in a football game, then chances are you're not going to win. Now, as we look at this defensive side of the ball for Clemson, you already documented the linebackers, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and take a look at this defensive line as well, where there are a lot of changes. You lose Cleveland Farrell, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence, Austin Bryant, all to the NFL draft. In steps, a guy like Xavier Thomas. I've been telling people for months, you know, he's a breakout star in college football. He's a superstar. Uh, but then as I'm watching the game last weekend uh, on Thursday, I'm looking at guys like KJ Henry and Tyler Davis, some of these young guys. Tell me exactly and who the listeners, who Clemson's defensive line is really going to feature now going forward without some of those seniors and veterans that have been around for a long time? And who are the main names that are going to be uh, on that defensive line moving into Saturday? Well, I, I think you're right. Starting at the end spots, you know, certainly with uh, Xavier Thomas, number three, uh, he's just, you know, he, we saw him in spurts, his freshman campaign, uh, but he has, he has to play very well here in his sophomore campaign. I think, be really honest with you, Thomas, I think Xavier has has all the tools to be the best ever to play at, at defensive end here at Clemson. And I realize what I'm saying because we've had some great ones, uh, certainly in our history uh, at defensive end, but I, I really do. Justin Foster is a guy, number 35, last year that had just been steady in this program. Uh, you're going to see more and more playing time from him. Logan Rudolph is another guy that we've had a number switch for him. He went from 54 to 34. Uh, so that is, that's a guy that uh, I think that is being undersold a little bit. You mentioned K.J. Henry, Justin Maskell. That's five and seven at the two defensive ends uh, at uh, defensive end. And both of those guys are just young, redshirt freshman guys who are just kind of growing up and learning the system right now but are making an impact on this football team. So there's your defensive end spot. You mentioned Tyler Davis. Tyler was actually one of the co-defensive players of the game for Clemson uh, last week. And for him to come out and immediately do that, in his uh, first game as a freshman uh, was something special. He, he actually was the first uh, freshman defensive starter, true freshman defensive starter at uh, Clemson at defensive tackle since 1974. Mm. So it goes, a, it goes a ways back there. Um, but, you know, Niles taking me right beside him, and then you've got some, some really good backups uh, that are there. Um, you know, Xavier Kelly, number 22, who came up with a huge fumble recovery. Uh, figuring in in that system, a young kid, Ruka Roro, uh, number thirty three, who got just a didn't get many snaps, but got a few snaps uh, that were in there as well. So there is plenty of talent that is up there. It just has to grow up, and I think that's what we're going to have see as we kind of go through September, October, is that this defensive front seven in particular is going to grow up right in front of our eyes and be really, really good by the time we get to championship phase in November. Now, it was last year about this time that we talked that you told me that Justin Ross was the most talented receiver to step on Clemson's team since Sammy Watkins. You know, in the offseason, I've heard nothing but rave reviews out of another young receiver named Joseph Ngata. Tell me, what kind of receiver is he, and where does he compare to some of the greats that have come through Clemson in recent years? Well, I can tell you that Ngata is further along at this point last year than than uh, than Justin Ross was. So wow. <laughs> that's... It's just, it's just a, you know, that's, but that's the reason that Clemson's wide receiver you. Uh, and then you saw the, the other young freshman, uh, Frank Ladson. Of course, he caught a touchdown pass in the contest. He, uh, he had, had missed part of August because of a meniscus tear. They had to go in and, and fix that up, so he missed about two weeks. There's, a, there's another young freshman wide receiver on this team, uh, Brandon Spector, who wears the 13. So that number that has been 
uh, kind of passed down in history here at the wide receiver spot for Clemson uh, is worn by, by young Mr. Spectre. He's going to be uh, a really good one. But the Ngata kid, uh, even though he didn't have a lot of shine on him in game one, believe me, there's going to be a game where he has a lot of shine. There's going to be several games where he has a lot of shine uh, on him. He's, he's a different kind of dude. He's also back there returning kicks for us. And I think he's going to, he's going to break one uh, or two possibly uh, this season before it's all said and done. Now, as you look and you mention a guy like Travis Etienne, you already talked about him in that opener, running for 205 yards, a career high. He has just been special in his uh, few years already, you know, just starting off his third year in Clemson. Uh, but with that 205-yard performance, he just now has broken into Clemson's top 10 all-time in rushing yards. Where does he stack up amongst the, the best players at the running back position that Clemson has had? And, and just where do you see him going this season? Well, he could be the best ever uh, at running back that, that comes through here, uh, just depending upon you know how, how this season plays out. I mean, he had over 1,600 yards rushing last year. He, I think he's headed for that, if not more. I mean, I could see him putting together maybe an 1,800 to 2,000-yard kind of rushing season. He's going to get more touches this season because with the, with the exodus of uh, uh, Adam Choice and also obviously of Tavian Feaster through the transfer portal, portal going to – South Carolina. I think that, that what that does is that means that ETN is going to end up getting about you know three five more touches per game. And if you give that guy three or five more touches a game, now all of a sudden over you know a twelve game regular season, that's that's you know in the neighborhood of sixty extra touches. And if he's going to average six or eight yards per carry or whatever, just of course he averaged seventeen point one in uh, week <laughs> one, but so he's not going to do that. But if you can. If he can average in that six to eight, you know, you know, our yards per carry, then all of a sudden there's an extra, you know, 400 yards for him right there. Yeah. So uh, he he has that kind of capability, and they're going to start throwing to him more and more. So it's also as he comes out of the back. Now, as we look more specifically at this matchup from last season, uh, you're looking at a Clemson and Texas A&M game in which both teams kind of shut down the run. Uh, and a lot of emphasis was put on the quarterbacks to be able to get the job done. Uh, but what kind of what kind of challenge do you see Texas A&M presenting? You've already talked about Kellen Mond some, but he's got some dynamic receivers, some guys that have big playability, and Courtney Davis and Kendrick Rogers that are just going to be a challenge to match up with. What kind of game plan does Clemson's defense take into this game uh, to slow down the Texas? A&M attack? Well, it starts with getting pressure on the quarterback. So, you know, Brent Venables, if he can, he likes to dial that pressure up with, with four. And he will bring, obviously, some, some blitzes. So he'll, he'll bring some guys from unexpected places. Uh, so you'll, you can certainly look for that. But it, you've got to get some pressure on Mon. And then you also got to get him to the ground. I mean, he's a guy that last year extended plays with his feet and was able to find open guys. You know, you can only cover guys for for a certain amount of time before somebody is finally going to break open. So I think that's, that's where it starts uh, for Clemson. And then you know, from a defensive back standpoint, you can't get caught with your eyes in the wrong places. You, you can't get caught looking in that backfield. You, you better make sure that if you're, if you're in a man-to-man concept that, you, that you're just taking care of your job. Don't worry about somebody else's job. You just take care of your job uh, and get it done. So that, from a passing standpoint, that's where all of that starts. And as you look at, uh, at different uh, pieces from this Texas A&M team, what kind of other uh, pieces do you think will be there to be a challenge to Clemson? Uh, what kind of matchups are going to be really difficult in this game? And uh, just how close uh, do you think this is to t- kind of teetering on a game that could go either way? Well, Jimbo's going to want to try to run the football. So, you know, you're going to have to figure out a way also 
you know, to, to control that. And, and the running, the running may be more or so, uh, led by Mond as opposed to tailback. And they got, they got good tailbacks. So I'm not, not discounting that, but, uh, but again, I think that's where Mond can, can come into play in, in the run game. So you know, he's going to want him, you know, he's going to want to, uh, to run the football is, is coach Fisher. He's probably going to want to get the ball to his tight ends as well. Don't know that it, that his tight ends are as talented as they were last season because of, obviously because of graduation and also some injury uh, that is there. So that that's going to be interesting. But but really, and we haven't spoken about this at all so far, is that this thing's going to come down to offensive lines. O- offensive lines that whoever can control that line of scrimmage for both of these teams. Um, in Texas A&M, you take a look at that, that offensive line. They are a big physical group going up against now a unit that's, you know, let's just be bluntly honest, nowhere near as experienced as the group was last year for Clemson. So that becomes, you know, um, uh, a big question mark. And then Clemson's offensive line, you know, with four seniors and a sophomore going and then plenty of depth there, uh, they they had a great first game. When you have 411 yards rushing again, I don't care who it's against, uh, then that can be considered, a you know, a really, really good game for you. So both of these offensive lines have got to come to play. Now, I know last year had to have been a blast going down to College Station. Tell me a little bit about that experience and what it was like seeing that massive crowd uh, at the stadium at Texas A&M, and then also what kind of crowd and what kind of uh, fans, the size of the fan base do you anticipate coming up to Clemson for the game this weekend? Well, obviously we played in front of better than 104,000 there last year in College Station, which was the biggest crowd that Clemson had ever played football in front of. And it was one of those crowds that, uh, because Clemson got out to an early lead, but then you know A and M started chipping away and coming back and going in that fourth quarter, you know they were they were in a position where they thought they had a chance to win, and that just whipped the crowd into a frenzy even more so. And um, you know especially they're late in the fourth quarter, they they had the ball with an opportunity to win. So now all of a sudden that you know that's a situation where that just absolutely feeds. Uh, Texas A&M, it, you know, the reverse now, there won't be 104,000 here. They'll, right. they'll be in the neighborhood of 81,000 that'll be here uh, in Death Valley. But but now how does A&M fight that? And, you know, now all of a sudden, if if Clemson is in, in control, then you can guarantee that this fan base is going to be whipped into a frenzy. Uh, so that that's how does A&M respond to that. That's That's been one of the beauties here about what Coach Sweeney has been able to do over uh, oh, the last four or five years is that protect home field. I mean, they've only lost one game at home since 2014. They're now 40-1 and one in home games since 2014. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's a when you, are, when you want to be a good football program, you are able to do that at home. When you want to be a great football program, though, you're able to translate that to the road. And so Coach Sweeney's been able to translate that to the road. He's only lost six times since 2014 on the road. Two of those, actually three of those games, were at neutral site uh, places. Uh, so you know you you've got an opportunity now with it, with this football team. This this football team and the culture here at Clemson expects to win. They don't care where they play. You can go play in a parking lot. They wouldn't care. They expect to win uh, win the football game. It sure is going to be a blast to watch this one on Saturday, Don. I really appreciate the time, and I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon. Bye, right, Thomas. Always good to be with you, brother. Go Tigers. Thank you, Don. And yes, it is always great to have one of the voices of this great game of college football right here on the Blackout. 
And with a quick peek ahead to next week, I was looking at the week three slate and I was going, man, there just aren't an awful lot of great college football games out there. So I went ahead and talked to Don after this interview was recorded and we went ahead and scheduled another interview for next week. So when you hear from Don again this time next week, we'll do an awful lot of recap, I feel, on this Clemson-Texas A&M game. And then beyond that, we will take a little bit of a look ahead to the game against Syracuse. Uh, But, you know, that one, I don't know how that thing's going to look a week from now. Right now, it's a top 25 matchup. It could be a pretty good game as Syracuse has given Clemson some trouble the last two years. But at the same time, uh, they're breaking in a new quarterback and they've got a game where they're, uh, I don't even know who's the favorite right now. I want to say Syracuse is a slight favorite uh, against Maryland this weekend. Uh, They could be one and one heading into this Clemson game. So we'll see what happens with that. But regardless, Don Munson will be back on the show to uh, talk about that game next weekend and recap this game versus the Aggies this weekend. And to remind you just a little bit of what we have going on on the blackout on a regular basis throughout the season, heading into week four, Trent Smallwood from UGASports.com will be back on the show to help preview the Georgia-Notre Dame game, one that is almost assuredly to be a top 10 matchup when we head into week four. Now it's time to take a look at the two biggest games we have this coming weekend. Clemson is a heavy favorite against Texas A&M. All the numbers I've seen from Vegas have Clemson winning by about three scores. But just remember, Texas A&M gave Clemson its toughest game of the season last year. Well, that and Syracuse, of course. I do think Clemson pulls away in the end. I think they win, but I don't think they cover the spread. I'm going to take the Tigers 41-31. And then Saturday night, we've got number six LSU at number nine Texas. Man, this is a great non-conference showdown. I really think this one could go either way. But if you go back to the opener for both of these teams, what did we find from LSU? Well, pretty stereotypically, really solid defense and an offense that showed signs of life. Now, who knows? I mean, we've been talking about this LSU offense for years now, transforming and becoming something different. It just hasn't year after year after year. But they did show potential. And Joe Burrow, while I'm certainly not in love with the guy, he is in his second year in this offense and should be able to take something of a jump forward. You flip it to the other side, Texas comes into this game. You know, this is supposed to be the year. They've supposed to have been back for several years now. But now we've got to see, is this Texas team for real? They've got a quarterback. Sam Ellinger is really, really good. He can beat you with his arm and his legs. And you're just hoping as a Texas fan, that this team has shown enough improvement around him that they can get over that hump and avoid the several losses they had last season. But you look at Texas's opener, and while they scored a lot of points and Sam Ellinger was great, that defense also gave up a lot of yardage. So I'm going with LSU's defense as the difference in this game. I think it's a close one. I think it goes right down to the wire, and it probably can go either way, especially if Texas's defense stands up and plays a better game than I'm anticipating. But I'm going to go with the LSU Tigers 27-24 on the road at Texas. And if you pop on over to bellyupsports.com right now and jump on the college football thread and find the topic for this game of the week on Belly Up Sports for Texas and LSU, you can find my pick right now in favor of LSU by the final score I just gave you, 27-24. Again, if you jump over there and give your pick as well as the final score, if you land it exactly right, you win a free t-shirt out of the Belly Up Sports shop as long as you're the only one who got it just right. If there are multiple people who land on the winner and the exact score, 
Then each of the people who got it right will be thrown into a hat, and one winner will be drawn to select one of the 25 different designs in the Belly Up Sports Shop. And the last thing I've got to remind you of before I get out of here is I want to receive your blackmail before next week's show. Remember, it's 24-7. 365. All you've got to do is have your phone and make a quick call and you can leave me your reactions to any of the games this weekend or any of the things you just cannot stand about your rival team. Or if none of that comes to mind, you can simply ask a question and I'll get to it on next week's episode. Just make sure you save the number in your phone so you have it any time you want to get your reaction to the blackout. Remember, it's 706 406 3566. I'm Thomas Black, your host, and join me again next week when I'll have Don Munson, the voice of the Clemson Tigers, with me to react to what happened in this Texas A&M game this weekend and also look ahead to Syracuse next weekend. And thank you to each and every one of you for always listening to The Blackout. (laughs) 